are here to, with you live. And we're not interviewing watches. It looks like we're interviewing watches. You're the person sitting in between us. We're interviewing Grace Kelly. She's yes. coming on. There she's coming in. We are living the authentic life. We are Robin Danae Cremosta. I joined the Vintage Contessa, uh, or created it 10 years ago, and joined his business, Times Past. And this guy, even as good looking as he is, is the biggest coin and watch nerd ever. And we keep bringing in all these incredible people to tell their stories. And I thought we should dive in and just talk about our stories because so many of you are really interested in watches. You might have checked us out on... Wacky Watch Wednesday where we're wacky, not the watches. Yep. And we teach you so many things, but we thought we would take an entire podcast to kind of talk about watches and answer the question, how do we know it's real? So Rob, you, this is your passion. This is one of your purposes. In fact, Jackie, our accounting guru on staff here told me recently, she thinks the entire reason that you started a business and that you continue to run times past is to fuel your watch addiction and to be able to buy and sell watches. There's nothing wrong with that. And she's <laughs> probably right. I mean, I love it. It's fun. It's it's for men. There's not much men jewelry you can wear. You can wear some guys I know have worn multiple wedding rings, but I'm only going to wear one because it's just one and done. But for watches, you know, some days you may want to wear a, a Daytona to be sporty, or you may want to wear a vintage Submariner to be James Bond, or a Patek Philippe to be a timepiece, you know, more of a gentleman. You owned your first Rolex sooner, and it wasn't because you got it as a gift, but you bought it. Yeah. So what would tell us about your first Rolex? My first Rolex I bought was a Submariner 5512 um, non-date Rolex, and I bought it in a coin shop because I was a nerdy coin guy. And I had taken the train from where I lived because I wasn't old enough to drive to Oak Park. In walked, Chicago. In Chicago, walked mm -hmm. a few blocks to this coin shop, Guy owned it. His name was Willie, actually. And still I still remember. I still remember it. And I went in and bought this watch from him for $450. I mean, it was a great watch. That watch now is fifteen to 20000 From what I remember, it was beautiful, but I wore it every day. And I thought I was cool at 15 years old with my first Rolex, but I had to pay for it with my own money. But yeah, it was great. I mean, and from then, I mean, it's been through good times and bad times in college when things were tough. I sold it, didn't have a watch. When I graduated college, I had some college loans. I didn't have any Rolexes at the time, paid them off, and then got back into owning them again. I mean, it was a, it's a great storage of wealth, and um, they're cool. Okay, and now, more than ever, watches are crazy. Mm -hmm. um, I keep talking about Rolex, because that's kind of the most, would you say the most known or um, accessible luxury watch it's the most accessible but it's also the the best known in the world rolex they make 850 900,000 units a year whereas patek philippe may make 50 to 100,000 um audemars piguet less um watches like um, fp Journe, they make eight or nine hundred units a year so everybody knows rolex as the brand and it's also the the watch for people that had it when they were younger they thought oh my god when we were young if you made it, you owned a gold man's president. That was the watch in the 80s that, you know, the cool guys had, the, the wealthy Wall Street guys or... Um, and the big brick phone. Oh, the big brick phone, yes. And before that was the phone in the bag, yes. And you had all those. 
So um, you started buying coins and then you evolved to watches and then you evolved to other things and now you buy cars. You showed a baseball card you bought this week. Oh yeah, we bought a um, Stephen Curry rookie card yesterday that came in. Super rare, 30,000 plus um, dollar baseball card. I've, I've bought and sold um, Super Bowl rings, World Series rings, any great sports memorabilia, early Muhammad Ali um, memorabilia, anything that is at all collectible has a secondary market. And the really good stuff has done well, um, from great paintings to great watches. There was an article in the uh, Wall Street Journal and also something in Forbes recently that said Daytona Rolexes, if you bought them in the last three years, have outperformed the um, S&P 500 by 20 or 30 percent. I know, crazy. and everybody's like, oh my God, y'all must be raking in the money with Rolex is so expensive. And I have explained to people, and I want to say this again, because some people forget, we buy all of our inventory. We don't just have it on loan. We're actually, we've got skin in the game, as you say. We've purchased mm -hmm. Yeah, we it don't all. take consignments. And we don't buy it and then hold it and wait to sell it. We're buying and selling the whole way up or sometimes the, or whole, the whole way down. down. No, the, it, everything goes up and eventually some stuff comes down. So like a modern Daytona, the ceramic uh -huh. Daytona or Panda Daytona, they call it right now, retails a little over 13000 I'm paying thirty four, thirty five, thirty six thousand for that watch. If you can get it in your store from your AD at 13000 authorized dealer. Uh, yeah. So you can bring that watch to us and make $23,000. The people that have the ability to buy them at the retail, even paying the sales tax, are doubling and tripling and quadrupling up on watches. And certain other brands, um, FP Journe, you can make 400% on your money the second you get it if you walk out the store. You I mean, just can't walk in and get them. No, and the brands know that if you've done that, you've sold it because they track some of that stuff. Yeah. And they won't sell to you again. They want to cater to the collectors and help the collectors out. Okay, if, so we listened to Mr. Wonderful. Oh, he was awesome. Mr. Wonderful is a watch fanatic. And he says he has them in uh, safes or uh, around the world. And yeah, because he's been <laughs> robbed a few times, and that's mm -hmm. a big problem if you have a great watch collection. I keep what I own um, locked up in the office or in a safe deposit box. Don't keep anything at yeah, home. Yeah, don't try to rob us. You won't forget anything. Yeah, we've already learned that lesson the hard way. That was about six years ago, <laughs> so we won't let that happen again. No. Um, but he owns hundreds of watches and unique watches, and there's like a whole subculture of us um, watch studying or watch collecting is called horology. No, they're not whores. They're horologists. Because <laughs> yeah, I a, fight sex trafficking. <clears throat> yes. It's a Latin word. Um, and if we're talking about how to pronounce things, is it patek or patek? Well, it's, it's, you, you got to act a little French. It's patek Philippe. But patek. Here in, here in America, you can call it a patek, because especially if you live in Texas. And it's like... Vacheron Constantin, you know, it's, 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 it's whatever, we're Americans, it's okay. You don't have to pronounce it correctly. We don't have the, the, the pains and pleasures of being French people or Swiss people. It's all good. Okay, so first watch you're going to buy for somebody. What is that? Generally, because we get a lot of people coming in, 16th birthday sometimes. Most of the time it's 21 or it's high I school think graduation. A Tag Heuer is a fantastic beginning or entry level watch or <clears throat> Omega. Omega is the largest selling brand besides Rolex in the US. And was that James um, Bond? James Bond, modern James Bond is Omega. But uh -huh. Omega is famous for their man on the moon watch. 
because they used that in the movie Apollo 13, and that's what they used the Speedmaster watch to program the afterburner rockets to get the um, capsule coming back in the right way so that it didn't burn up. Well, let's talk about that because <clears throat> you said two weeks ago on Wacky Watch Wednesday that no one really went to the moon. No, oh. I'm just teasing you. Yeah, I did, I did say that's all a conspiracy <laughs> theory. It was done in Hollywood. But if they did go to the moon, I pretty sure they did. Whatever. The whole bottom of the capsule is a heat shield. If it's faced at the wrong angle, you burn up. Mm -hmm. You mean you're a, you're like a marshmallow. So I'm glad it worked out. And yes. it's good for our business, too. Okay, so tell them my favorite story about the most expensive Daytona sold ever. Oh, so Phillips, which is probably the, the, the top three watch houses, some say the best. I don't call any of the best because I do business with all three. <laughs> and they had a watch um, auction, a hundred the, of the best watches. We had a really rare Patek Philippe in that sale. And I like how you say we. We, well, at this point, we're a team and... I did buy that watch while we were married. It wasn't inventory I owned before we were married because that's separate property. But that's another story. Uh -huh. um, so in this sale, um, there were million-dollar rose gold paddocks mm -hmm. and steel Rolex and, and great Paul Newman Daytonas. But they actually had the Paul Newman Daytona um, that his wife gave him. And the, the watch sells for $18 million and change. So and the it, story is the daughter. The daughter, no had oh, a the, friend yes. who was helping the over the summer yeah he was um he was working with paul newman and helping him running doing stuff around the track and doing other things and he kept and saying like hey building a guest house or something and everything he goes he kept going hey what time is it what time is it because the guy who didn't wear a watch didn't wear a watch so he took the watch off gave it to him and said look quit asking me what time it is yeah, paul newman gave his watch away right and after paul newman died um, he'd been in contact with the estate and everything said, look, I want to sell the watch. I want to donate some of the money to charity, but I want to, I mean, it's my watch, but I want to be helpful, but I still want to, um, some money out of the deal. Mm -hmm. And they, they came up with terms. Nobody knows the exact terms. We don't even really know who bought it. We think Rolex Museum bought the watch, mm -hmm. but don't know for sure because it was a crazy auction. The watch opened up at $2 million, then went to $10 million. Then 11, 12, 13, 14, boom, and it was over. And it was. And we were in the room. And we it were in the room. So electric and amazing and incredible. And it was it was fun to see because you just didn't know, and no one really talks about where it went. But it just was great. It made the whole market. And then um, <clears throat> Fox News, CNN, all the major news uh, medias picked it up, and everyone's like, "Oh my God, what's a Daytona?" So then the next week, what do you have in Daytona Rolexes? And I said, "Well, his watch was unique, but a similar watch to his is a." $300,000 watch. And what is it today after COVID? Um, no. Still about the same it's, price? It's gone up. Since COVID hit, the prices of watches have gone up because um, countries around the world gave away money. Yeah, people are surprised mm. to hear this. Tell them about pawn shops. So pawn shops, um, all their clients all got checks from the government. And most of the people that were, had merchandise in there had never received a check for 500 or a thousand let alone three to ten thousand dollars so they all came in and paid off all their stuff and took it all home and their stores were left without inventory without inventory people paying interest the pawn shops business model doesn't work i mean they're great for some people that need short-term loans but all of a sudden everyone had money so everyone had um, nothing to sell so their secondary market changed so to buy merchandise and have in their stores they had to come to guys like me to fill the showcases so there was more grit, more demand than supply. 
So the overall cost on watches, have, they're up 40 to 50% in the last two years. And people weren't traveling, they weren't throwing big parties, so they had a lot of excess money. Mm -hmm. Uh, so it's just changed what people have spent their money on. Yeah, you couldn't go to Europe, you couldn't go to Asia, you couldn't go to anywhere in the southeast. Australia is still closed, New Zealand completely closed. So all that money that they would spend on airfare and travel and jewelry and vacation stuff, they spent domestically. We had kids that were graduating high school that got Cartier Love bracelets, which to me was shocking. I'd never seen that before. I was happy with it, um, but the supply side of the supply side of the world is really messed up right now. Anyway, we are buying. If you have something to sell, we want to buy it. And now's the time to it's Christmas. sell. If you and it's Christmas time, too. I mean, if you're tired of stuff, turn it in, trade it in. It's a great time for that. Same so with cars. So why would you trade in? If you trade in, you don't have the sales tax difference. But if you're not using it, I bought a new car this week. Um, I ordered it in January. It came in yesterday, a Ford Bronco. Not a Range Rover or anything fancy. Much cooler. And... My used Toyota that I traded in was worth 15% more than I paid for the car a year and a half ago and drove it, put 10,000 miles on it, and I made a profit after sales tax. Thank you, George, for selling me the car at a good deal. Um, but it's crazy. It was crazy. And now people want to buy the car that I just bought, want to pay me a profit after sales tax on it. Because you can't it. get it. I, it's baffling to me. You can go pay something, buy something retail and make money. But it's on Rolex, Patek Philippe, extremely crazy. Um, like a watch I'm wearing, this mm -hmm. is called an Aquanaut, but um, the Nautilus version, all steel bracelet of this watch, mm -hmm. retail is $32,000. If you can get one, they're 150 grand. You can make 5X on your money, but Patek knows if you sold it, you won't, you'll be you know, hand slapped and not be able to buy another watch from them. Okay, so you have this group of guys that you have a bromance with that are watch collectors, and you guys, I explained it to people, pre-COVID, <clears throat> you were traveling over 200 days a year. Mm -hmm. You were in Asia maybe six times a year. We were in Europe a few times. South America quite a bit also. Yep, and then New York and L.A. And now it's only Vegas and Miami, but you go to these shows and you'll come together and you all have these little small, probably the size of this, loaded with watches. Yeah, and we have you two showcases that are three by fours. And it's a bromance of buddies that I do business with, but we're competitors also. It's but we buy and sell amongst ourselves and we're other friends. supply chains because the person you sell to is also the person you buy from. And there are certain guys that only deal in Rolex, certain guys that only deal in AP. Um, I've got a buddy, John Reardon, only deals in Patek Philippe. And certain guys are specialists. I buy and sell most all of it because I love all of it. But some guys are the best of the best. Like, you know, this is a vintage Patek Philippe sold by Tiffany from 1912 or 1913. Um, some guys go crazy for that. I'm not a big fan of pocket watches any longer. Mm -hmm. I like wrist because I can use it every day. But this is the end all be all for some of them. Mm -hmm. You know, Tiffany, Patek Philippe, original diamonds and sapphires. Great, great. If it could talk, it's amazing. And in platinum. I know. I always wish the bags could tell us the places mm -hmm. they've been when we buy them. Okay, so collaboration has been a huge part of the way you grew your business. And it's interesting because I feel like I'm, so to explain, people think I buy all the handbags mm. and Rob buys all the watches. But really your expertise is in buying everything. Knowing what 
value something has and then knowing what price to sell it. And my role is putting a pretty package on all of it and explaining or telling people that they need to come sell to us or they need to buy from us. Um, so you know when to uh, be partners in a watch with someone, well, when to do it on your own. And I find that to be really interesting because a lot of people feel like their competition is their competition, but yet you guys like work together in certain times. Tell people about that because I think it's a fascinating part of our business. Well, everyone thinks everything you buy you make money on and you okay. don't. We make mistakes every single day and even my employees do and I'm okay with that. We try to make money on 95% of what you buy because there's a lot of stuff out there you don't know. And if you don't make some mistakes, you're not going to learn and anymore. And our margins aren't what a jewelry store is. No, we're not getting the, the watches from Rolex. When you buy them direct, they make 40%. We make 7 to 10%. But you can't know everything about everything. And there are certain guys in our industry that are experts, experts, experts on certain versions. They'll know every dial combination of a Daytona from day one or every type of GMT, is it a Mark I, a Mark II, a Mark III, a Mark IV, a Mark V, and all the different nuances. I've got most of it figured out, but some guys, if a watch is worth 40,000 in our market, know that that special dial configuration to the end user could be worth 60 or $70,000. Mm -hmm. So if I split it with them at 40 and make a small profit, profit over that, that's better than not, and let them make it and sell it to their private client that really gets it and understands it. And what I found mm. interesting is, oh, not this watch, but this Hulk. You bought one for me like four or five years ago and you paid 6000 for it. Mm -hmm. And had you sold it then, you would have made 500 to to 1000 But now you have to pay. I buy them now for eighteen, nineteen, twenty thousand dollars $20,000, sell them 20, 21, 22, 23,000. So now we have to, instead of having 5000 to make 1000 we have to have 20000 20, to make 1000 mm -hmm. So that's why we work with Tavero Jet and we don't own the jet. Oh, man. <laughs> all right. All right. There we go. <laughs> yes, we don't. But it's okay. But I do have a Ford Bronco. Exactly. Um, yes. Yes. And But it's exciting, though, because you just don't know what's going to come in every day. Yes. And like your friend that... Um, people also talk to us about, oh, so do you buy something from someone at a really low price and go make 100000 No. That's not our business model no. either. But your friend, I've had friends who that bought have, the. His, yeah, I've had, yes, I've had friends recently bought a really rare watch. His employee bought it, didn't know what it was. So he wasn't trying to screw the people. No, but he was out hunting yeah. and came back and goes, your oh, wow, was. I think this yeah. is special. And we researched it and it turned out to be something really rare that was obscure, that we wouldn't have really known it was obscure, except that knowing the right people to go with and all that. So it happens on occasion, but most of the time it's not like you see on mm -mm. Um, Antique Roadshow. My grandpa <laughs> bought this for $400 and it's worth 600000 No. Their grandpa bought it for $400. They know it's worth 10000 They sell it to us for eight or 9000 and there's some money. Nobody's stupid anymore. The internet... And it's changed everything. There's but, but, a trading price that's sort of the trading price around the world. Yeah, it's the the um, our economy and our world economy capitalism is an extremely efficient mm -hmm. um, society or industry. If this watch 
was selling in Japan at 10,000 and was selling uh -huh. in the US at 12,000. Americans would be there every day buying them all and bringing them back. They would learn the demand was higher. They would raise their prices and that's mm -hmm. what's happened. Um, it's super, capitalism is super efficient. I've, so when people say, okay, Rob, so should I buy a bunch of watches and put them in a safety deposit box and I'll make um, I get 100%? Asked, I get asked <laughs> that all like, the time. Uh, if I knew the answer to that, I wouldn't own a house, I'd live in an apartment, um, and we would just, you know, yes, eat Top Ramen every day until we knew to sell and then we'd be done. Um, but we kind of believe that this is going to hold out at least through Christmas. We know that oh, much. I think we're going to hold out for longer than that. It's, uh, if you buy what you like, buy, okay, the best, yes. buy the best that you can afford. So don't buy <sighs> the one with the nick in it because it's going to save you Because it's thousand. a little cheaper. I've got a, we've got a client here in town who's bought a bunch of great watches, uh -huh. but if a great one was 10,000, but an okay one was 9,000, he would buy the nine grand one instead yep. of the 10. And that 10 one is 30 and the nine one is 15. The difference is- It's like um, buying on a busy street versus um, buying on a street that's, um, uh, yeah, our dogs- Our um, dogs snoring, hey, Grace Kelly. <laughs> that's, we're living the authentic life here, having the dog <laughs> snore as we're talking, but it's all good. Okay, so what's the best you bought it and you made a lot of money on it? Do you have one of those that you want to share? Or are you saving all those? Um, and well, you bought I, all those before we got married? When I was younger, <laughs> I did buy a really rare um, Submariner Rolex. Uh -huh. And at the time, people didn't know the difference of the rare dials. And it's a mm -hmm. really, really rare one. And at the time, I paid $1,000 and it's probably worth 50000 now. Wow, yeah. that's pretty crazy. Okay, so here's the other thing that I thought was interesting. Sometimes the rejected dog watch, y'all call them dogs when they're not good, mm -hmm. then becomes really popular because they end the production and now everybody wants it because it's not available. Yeah, there, there's a really rare watch out there called the Milgauss that was made in the late 50s, early 60s for the electronics industry. It's completely protected for mm -hmm. a magnetic magnetism, so the watch wouldn't have a problem with Oh, yeah, with your timing. Geiger counter thing they bring out? Well, you bring out a Geiger counter because we used to have radium on our dials. Now we use tritium um, and uh, Luminova, some new other ways to make it Over glow at head. night. But it used to be radioactive, so mm -hmm. we'll use a Geiger counter on watches 1962, 1963 and earlier. You can tell how much Geiger is in there, how much radium's in there. But this and the more radium, the better? Depends what year it's supposed to have it. Oh, okay. And the dials are marked down on the bottom. And then bottom. what about, like, was it the root beers that changed colors? Like, one of them kind of patinaed, and it used to be people were changing out the dials because oh, it was a problem? The biggest, one of, the biggest one of those was a um, Cream Dial Explorer 2. Uh-huh. Um, this was a watch made in late 80, 88 to 90 or 91. Mm -hmm. And the dial started turning this cream color instead of bright white. Well, Rolex would let you send the dial in, mm -hmm. and they'd give you a new one for free. Now that Explorer 2 with the white dial, mm -hmm. if it has the cream dial, is a $25,000 watch, whereas the other one is a five or $6,000 watch because everybody traded them out. And then the Root Beers was a GMT with a brown dial, kind of more like the color of my, my shoes. Mm -hmm. But some vintage Submariners and Daytonas mm -hmm. and many of their other watches like a blue one can turn a gold or mm -hmm. a black one can turn chocolate. And on watches like that, sometimes the difference between a beautiful color change from black to mm -hmm. chocolate, the watch is worth 
10 times as much money as it was if it stayed black. Or the little red dot on some of them versus not. On the early Submariners, you have got <laughs> the little red triangle on the bezel insert versus not having the red triangle. Um, it's like you're listening a little more than you should oh. be, making me nervous. Um, or we have pictured here on this book, we'll show you later, there's a Patrizzi dial on a black dial Daytona, modern uh -huh. Daytona um, from the mid-90s, and the sub-dials um, around the counter here turn from a silver white to a, to a reddish brown, and that watch took it 5X in value because of the dial. So I have been researching and writing um, a TED Talk called Living the Authentic Life, and I found this term that I talk about sometimes. It's called Ikigai. An icky guy is when you figure out what you love in life and what you're passionate about, mm -hmm. watches, and you find out how to make money doing it, and then you can make the world a better place because we give back to charity and we use our platform to help people. We also let people know what time it is. <laughs> I think my uh, no, Apple phone does that because oftentimes I'm wearing a watch and my <laughs> I haven't adjusted it. Um, but you found a way to do that. But I mean it, and what I love about it is you've created this opportunity that we kind of skate through things. And I love what you told me that you're a B plus in so many different things, but you hang with the guys that are like the A plus. So tell a little bit about like that. Cause like people go, you buy, I remember when we started doing handbags, guys were like, dude, you're buying handbags. Now those guys are buying from us for their coin shops. Mm -hmm. No, it's crazy. Um, I've loved coins and watches and jewelry uh -huh. and, and love to learn and, and know. I couldn't stay focused on one, A, because of my ADD and B, because I always want to learn more and more. And we learn new stuff every day mm -hmm. and new, new tricks and new things that are going on. But most of my good buddies are specialists either in Patek Philippe, right. early That's Rolex, or rare U.S. coins, or what they do. And I can hang with them because it's like if you're a really great skier, but you can skill, still ski down blues and black runs, you don't have to be able to do backflips and run with the best of the best. But if you can keep up and enjoy hang, it, or like yeah. a, a golfer, that's a, even a 15 handicap or 20 handicap can still golf with a scratch golfer because it's one stroke a hole. You're still able to keep up and hang with them. Mm -hmm. And um, as a B plus, I run across great pieces and the A plus guys want to hang with the B plus yeah. guy because the good deals still come in Absolutely. And we can help each other. Okay, so how do you know who to trust? Because in the beginning, after working with Vito Cangelosi for 22 years, I was like, if that person screwed me, they're out. Whereas you know some people aren't perfect and you kind of accept their imperfections and you know how to skate through things. Yeah, it's a slippery slope because... Um, there are certain people you know if you do a business deal with them and you say, look, I need a check, that check's going to be 30 days. There are certain people you know that are going to write you a check and it may not go through the first time, but by the second or third time it does. Um, it's not an exact science. And What's your gut? Like, it's what, it's how your gut. Do you? It's your gut. No, I don't know. The gut is um, it's hard because some of the guys you like to do business with and you like them as friends, but you can't do business. And some people you don't like but it's like the <laughs> devil you have to do business with because they have something you have to have. And I try to 
take in the good, forget about the bad. I've only divorced a few clients and a few mm -hmm. business people mm -hmm. that I just can't do business with anymore. But you, we lose money every year, bad debt expense. We just try to limit it, but someone's mm -hmm. gonna always get you every year a little and you just gotta look at the good and not dwell on the bad. Otherwise you're gonna drive yourself crazy. Mm -hmm. I have hair at 55 years old. No one in my family has it past 40 because mm -hmm. I don't stress on the big stuff anymore. I mean, there's no reason. The small stuff doesn't bother you either. Just let it go. Just keep going. There's a song from a movie called Frozen. You want to oh, sing it for Oh, no, no, no. We heard that enough when Bella was little. Was, oh, also, getting married to a wonderful, sweet person who's got your back every day. Key. Who works her booty off. Yes. A working wife is better than two mules, as a friend of mine said, but doesn't really. It's, you know, he's Adam, a older. are you believing this? Adam's even laughing, our sound engineer. We could not be here without this guy. Okay, so um, commitment. Let's talk about that. Um, you are pulled in so many different directions. I mean, sometimes you have a problem calling people back, but my favorite thing that I say about you, and I, on my speech consultant, Cheryl, who I meet, have met with almost twice a month for the last year and a half. I said, Rob necessarily can't remember to take the trash out. I forget, but on my, the I forget, my, mother, I forget my mother's birthday. I'm he really bad at that. He always forgets his mother's birthday. I do, I'm bad at it, I'm bad at it, but go on. So why do you think that you can remember the number of this watch and what year you bought it and how much you paid for it? You mean that that's a 118235 or? <laughs> That that's an 18238. And you can't remember or who our dinner six, plans this with. This is a 116. Yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I hope it's not early onset at all timers because. Um, you it, speak too many languages. We no, 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 no. Yes, they, they say that if you speak multiple languages, you have a 40% less chance if you have the propensity to have Alzheimer's because um, it uses different parts of your brain. And hopefully we can figure that out because we've lost some good friends to that. But that's not our talk here. Um, this is what I've done my whole life. This is just it, and that's where I want to be. To remember to take the garbage out on Wednesdays or Thursdays, whichever day. This morning, day I took the garbage out, yeah. by the way. <laughs> I'm sure of that. <laughs> I'm sure that happens. But um, Alma, our office manager of 25 years, who's family to us, she's your Houston mom, she said, You did what you said you were going to do. And I will say that. Like you. Um, on the big stuff, what matters the most. And I think that that's been interesting, especially in this business, because it's hard to know, to, to find people that are really honorable. And I think that's what concerns people about buying pre-owned, is they're not an authorized dealer. And mm -hmm. how do you know? And one of my favorite things you say to people is, our daughter's in school. Yeah, I said, <laughs> you guys are safe as long as my daughter's in high school. You've got four more years. After that, you're gonna find me hopefully in Vail or somewhere fun in summer. I love Texas, I love Houston, but summer has become half of May, June, July, August, part of September, maybe part of October because it's oppressively hot. And every year I think it's getting hot, hotter. I don't believe in all of the climate change and all of that, We're and I'm not, not getting into that, that at all. <laughs> some of it seems to be making some sense because <laughs> either that or my tolerance is really getting less and less and less because it's freaking hot. But um, we're here, we're not eBay, we're not um, any of those other platforms. If you got a problem, come see us. Uh, we like what we do, we enjoy what we do. This wasn't a family business 
that was given to us. We started it and we do it because we enjoy it. It's our passion. It is. So um, how do you know it's real? People come in, there's, you can't train someone. Tell them you're... Oh, you, <laughs> you're, can't be, you can't be taught watches. You can learn them because you have a passion. But you look at the people, you read their story. When a guy goes, hey, I was given this watch, I'd like to sell it. And it's a $20,000 or $5,000 or even $1,000 watch. Who's given somebody like that? It doesn't happen. I Me, didn't get given anything. I, I didn't gave get anything. you a wedding gift. You did. Um, it was the wrong watch. It was the wrong watch, but it's okay. It worked out. It only took It was me... a petite, patek, paddock. You can call it a paddock. You're a Texas girl. <clears throat> but And I let you trade it in. Uh, you let me trade it in for the one I want, and that's the one I'm wearing, which is a uh, Paddock Philippe Travel Time. Uh -huh. Love it. Um, they call it, it's a 5064 is the... Now let's talk about warranty and maintenance on watches. How does it work when you buy pre-owned? Um, Pre-owned if you're a dealer and I'm buying and selling from dealers, we don't give each other warranties. Mm -hmm. It's caveat emptor, buyer beware. As long as it's all the parts need to be there. Mm -hmm. you, you know, you can't sell them something that's rusted and, and, and just say, hey, too bad for you. Um, but when we sell to people, we give a six month to a one year warranty on everything. Mm -hmm. um, I want it to run correctly. I don't want them to come and show up and go, hey, this watch is losing 10 minutes a day. I want them to come in in three years. Man, I've had a great time. This is awesome. Um, it's starting to lose time. How do we fix that? I said, well, look, we can do modern maintenance. If you maintain a modern watch, mm -hmm. um, two to five years, um, get it oiled and serviced. Um, they'll last as long as you'll be alive and or longer. And do you have to take it to a certified Rolex dealer? We can do 95% of the work in-house. What watch um, brands? Um, all brands except, well, Rolex, um, Cartier, Paddock, um, most um, AP, most Omega. Um, there are certain, Sometimes we send them off. Certain brands we have to send off. Certain stumps we can't get parts for. Um, Richard Mule we can't fix ourselves. FB Jorn we can't fix ourselves. Um, and then you're at the mercy of them for uh, the repairs. I have a Paddock Philippe at Paddock. It took uh, nine months to get the estimate for the repair. And then it was 77 weeks to repair it. We still don't have it back. We might get it back in December. Really rare watch from the 20s. But um, this waiting game... You know, almost two years since we bought it is a is a challenge for mentally and cash flow. Imagine tying up your money for two full years till you know when it comes back and how's it going to look. How often should you have them maintained? I, I, every three to five years. Okay, and people come in sometimes and it doesn't work and we tell them they have to wind it. Yes. <laughs> if you on, don't wear it. If you don't wear it, you can't just pick up your um, Rolex and put it on your wrist and expect it to and keep time. That? Because there's a, a automatic movement, an oscillating pendulum that, that winds the mainspring um, on the watch. And some of the watches, like this paddock, is a manual wind watch. So every 36 hours, you have to wind it. My watch lasts 40 hours without winding it if you put it down on its, on its side. Um, and then the quartz watches, I didn't mean to say um, but quartz watches, the battery lasts every mm, a year to five years. So that needs work, too. And why don't we have all of our watches on our website? We buy them quickly and sell them quickly. And the time it takes us and the lag time with what the market's been doing, uh, it, it's crazy. It's crazy. Like this Hulk in the last uh, four weeks is up 15%. Wholesale. Yeah, so you can't even post if it If I had it on the website and worked on our margins, I've got buddies that all they do is search websites of retail stores and hit buy it now because the market has changed so much.
crazy. And no, it is crazy. What do you say to people buying for Christmas? Buy early. Buy early and buy often. No. Um, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> uh, whatever you want, you should. I was in a, we were in a big jewelry store in town, a brand store, and they said their top selling goods, if you don't have them bought by Thanksgiving, they'll be sold out. Okay, I went to VCA to get um, my earrings. Van Cleef and Arpel. Yes, and they had already sold out of their um, holiday pendant. The Alhambra holiday pendant. Mm -hmm. Yep, October 1. Mm -hmm. I mean. No, and I'm sure they will run out of all of their Alhambra. I'm sure Cartier will run out of love bracelets. Rolex doesn't have any watches in stock right now. You can go into some stores and view them, but you can't buy them. Mm -hmm. um, it's just crazy. I, the supply side needs to change. Uh, one of our good Italian restaurants we like to go to, or French restaurant, hasn't had Dover Soul in six months. I asked the guy, I said, just charge extra. There's We're, a trucking problem, too. There's a truck. We were at Carbone in Vegas a couple days ago. Uh -huh. um, I was. Danae was back here. I said, hey, why don't you have Dover Soul? He goes, we offered to pay our supplier double what we paid last year. We can't get it in. You can't crazy. get it shipped in from overseas. Mm -hmm. And the ships and the way it's being done, it's not working. There's, there's just no way to get it done. Can you believe we've already talked 42 minutes? It's just because of our love. It is. Should we sing Kumbaya? Yeah, next time. Okay, good. I think we should do this another time. We should talk about jewelry and handbags and all this. Okay. I can't believe we still have stuff to talk about. I know. What it, that means we've got something to do when we get home. <laughs> on that note, we'll be living our authentic life. Follow us on Instagram. Check us out. Follow us on YouTube. We'll see you guys in the store. Come visit. Bye.